0: Hey there, you're listening to the Saving You is Killing Me podcast hosted by me, Andrea Seidel. I'm the author and founder of Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction. This podcast is for you if you're ready to find a way to struggle well, take back your power and live life happier while you're navigating loving or losing someone to addiction. I wholeheartedly believe that when you love someone with an addiction, your life gets damaged in some way. Since we can't control someone else's addiction, but we are greatly affected by it, the number one thing you can do is take back your power and focus on you. I believe happiness, joy, and well-being is available to anyone. So the thoughts and perspectives I share here on the show are my own and those of the guests on the show. If you ever hear anything that feels harmful or triggering, I'm pre-apologizing and I'm open to being better and value feeling feedback, and the permission to be human. That said, always take what you love, what feels good, and leave the rest. The conversations and tools I'll share here will give you everything you need to figure out exactly how to navigate addiction, put yourself first, and how to build resilience for your well-being in a way that feels really, really good. I use these tools to take back the power in my life, to build my strength back up, and restore peace. And I hope that you can do the same. Hey there, wonderful souls. My name is Andrea Seidel, and I had to come back and record this. I already recorded the whole podcast episode, and you're gonna love it. It's so good. It's all about how to love truth more than we love love, and you're gonna love that episode. But. I wanted to invite you to our brand new SYKM YouTube channel. I'm so excited. It's called Saving You Is Killing Me Loving an Addict because there was only so much room to create this YouTube channel, but there are so many videos. I already uploaded nine videos, and we're on a mission to support, empower, and uplift. Those who love someone with an addiction. It's a safe haven, a place where we all understand we've been there and you're going to discover so many tools to help reclaim your life, to help reclaim your well-being. And I'm so excited to launch this YouTube so that we can reach more people. And we're a community that cares about your journey. I care about your resilience. We care about your happiness. And I just want, you to know, that you are not alone on this journey. So it's just another way that we can provide you with support. So I do encourage you to go there because if you subscribe, you actually get special bonus videos to view. Um, So if you're a subscriber, I'm going to keep uploading fantastic just videos just for subscribers, but also a whole bunch of other videos too. And then also hit that bell because then you'll get notifications when new videos are uploaded. So you don't miss any of the transformative content. So that's it. So come aboard, go over to YouTube and search up saving you is killing me loving an addict. And, add and uh, my name is associated with that as well. Andrea Seidel. And if you can't find it for some reason, just go to the website at SavingYouIsKillingMe.com is and all the links are there and it will take you right to it. So thank you for being here. I do wish we were meeting under different circumstances and I can't wait to see you over in the videos. Let's shine brighter one step at a time. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I hope you're doing as good as can be. I know I always say that because we might not be doing that great. I know when we are in the muck of loving someone with an addiction, it is like ups and downs, highs and lows And so I'm just sending you so much love and compassion through the line. And I'm just so happy that we found each other. I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, but I am here for you. This is what this community is all about. Reclaiming your life and your well-being, focusing on you and not your addicted loved one. This is all about you. It's all about supporting you through the shadows of addiction. And we do that through our books, our community, our podcast, our YouTube channel and retreats coming up and our magazine so there's a lot of resources here for you so that you feel empowered so you can regain your happiness and know that you are not alone and you are here in community with us so i am just sending you so much love and hugs okay i have such a good episode for you there is this quote that just 100 resonates with me and it is this quote by judith davis and it is we have to love truth more than we love love. Now, that sounds crazy, right? But listen, we have to love truth more than we love love. Now, this quote speaks volumes, especially when we are trying to navigate addiction. When we are battling someone else who's battling addiction, when we are loving them, it is so hard because this quote emphasizes the importance of embracing what is really happening in front of us, the truth, right? For the sake of our own well being, for the sake of our own health. And so I know when we think of love, this is really what was so hard. We think, you know, through thick and thin, or love conquers all, or, you know, love is meant to be there, right? It's really powerful force. But When it comes to loving someone with an addiction, this perspective, we need to love truth more than we love love, has been transformative for me. It is so powerful. And I just hope that it provides a little bit of... Um, understanding in terms of how we can really look at our situation that we're in with truth and with honesty. And now, so her quote basically implies that when confronted with the challenges of loving someone with an addiction, we need to prioritize truth above our romanticized notion of love. Or I know for me, it's almost like I I wish the person that I fell in love with would come back and I believed he would. And it just means that we need to acknowledge the realities of addiction. Even if it's super painful, even if it's, you know, affecting us on so many levels. This quote is so powerful. This perspective allows us that we don't diminish the significance of what is going on so we don't ignore red flags warning signs bad behavior abuse even because we love love more than we are loving truth and so this perspective allows us to not diminish love in any way but it's about enhancing our focus for, into a place of authenticity and being genuine with what's going on. So we can really look at love from a perspective of, okay, like that promotes our well being, that promotes our recovery, that promotes our strength. And so, and you know, I'm all about building up strength and resilience. And so I just wanted to bring this up right in the beginning. I thought I held on to love so hard with so much unwavering grip. grip, I was not going to let this person go. Like I was going to help him, save him. I was caught in the grips of love. I was loving our love more than I was really looking at the truth of the situation. I saw the person that he once was, I believed in this person and that I knew he could be and become. And so it was love, you know, filled with hope. I was hoping and I was like uh, grasping at his potential and I was grasping at the hope that the old version of him would come back. Not to mention, we had built such a nice life together. And you might be feeling the same way, right? And somewhere along the line, when, you know, I start. he had a hidden addiction until he couldn't hide anymore. I, I don't know what happened, but I started to ignore all the warning signs. I started to downplay his bad behavior or excuse out. I was like, you know, oh maybe it's his blood sugar levels, or maybe, you know, he's dealing with a mental, you know, issue, or maybe he's, you know, blah, 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 fill in the blank. I excused out or, or he's sick. He's not well, he needs to rest. He's got a sinus infection. And so I began to ignore all the glaring warning signs, right? The poor treatment, the destructive behavior instead. Right. And so I clung to this fading version of him, of our past. I clung to that in hopes that we were going to get that back. I cherished the love that we had so much more than I was willing to confront the pain of the truth of what was going on in my current situation. I loved our love and the life we built together and the idea of our future together more than I was being honest with myself about the harsh realities that was going on in front of my eyes. And this is so common. This is so common. That's why I wanted to do this episode. This experience taught me so much about the wisdom in this quote. And by Judith Davis, it is, we have to love truth more than we love love. And it's so hard to do. I didn't even realize I was doing it. So I nav I had to navigate obviously. There's there's so much that goes on when you love someone with an addiction. And it's an emotional roller coaster, right? And addiction affects like not only obviously that person who has the addiction, but us as the bystanders, that's why we always say it's like the, in the shadows of addiction. It's like, oh my gosh, they're clouds. They're not just shadows. They are like dark, dark clouds. So my experience taught me that while love is crucial, uh, it must be grounded in this place of being truthful and honest. Like I had to get honest with myself and, um, and really recognize that I needed to Practice self-preservation. I needed to step up the notch because I was just getting, you know, more and more knocked down in that relationship. So I learned that I had to prioritize this truth and get honest with myself. And I started journaling the truth um, and realized that, okay, like my desire to protect my loved one and what we had together. It was it was getting really kiboshed by the truth and the harsh reality of addiction and so I needed to separate the two and I trust me it kept this love I loved the love more and it kept me there a lot longer probably than I should have stayed and I'm not saying to stay or go I'm these are not decisions I'm making for you even if we're in the relationship still we want to make sure that we're being honest with you know having love yes that's one thing but also by honoring the truth of what's going on. We want to honor and love truth more than we love love. So I wanted to talk about this um, concept in psychology called idealization. And I realized that I was doing this a lot and you might be doing the same thing is it's this idea of where we, it's the act of seeing or portraying someone or something as good or not as bad as they are, or even perfect or flawless, or, you know, only having really positive qualities. And my brain used to take me back to like, oh, like all the good times that we had together, how much he makes me laugh and this and that. And so, and me believing in like, I've seen glimmers of the person he could be. And so what happens is, is it creates this unrealistic or exaggerated. Uh, vision of an idealized person. So we, we go back to those places where we idealize what they are like. And in our minds, we believe that that is, that's our perception, right? But that may not be accurate. It may not be realistic. And it's maybe not representing the true nature or the true reality of the person, or the object or situation, right? We, sometimes we idealize situations too. And so in the context of loving someone with an addiction, idealization is so common. It might be involved by we ignore or we downplay any negative aspects of this person's behavior or their addiction. And we focus more on their positive traits. Now, if you are like, you know, a positive person, or you have a tendency to notice what's good in people, that's a beautiful trait. I don't want you to change that. But what can happen is we might be idealizing or uh, focusing solely on the positive traits and hoping for the return of this idealized version. We're waiting for the return of that person that we've idealized or that relationship that we once had, uh, or even that individual to come back. Doesn't that make total sense. So it's crazy because what happens is is that we have this, Believe in the person that they can be, or we remember those amazing times and the relationship that we used to have with them, maybe before addiction. Maybe you know we got glimmers of hope when they, um, when you know they're like maybe if they're in sobriety or recovery, we have glimmers of hope. So we we cling on to that idealized version. So let's talk a little bit about why idealization can be unhealthy. And there's some reasons that it what it does is it it actually is not safe or it's not healthy. Let's just look at those. We're not judging you in any way. If any of this is kind of resonating. Oh my gosh, I totally do that. Or we all have a little bit of that. Like we, we know the person because we love them. We love our addicted loved one. And, or we, we cling to this, I, this, hope that that person that we once had an amazing relationship with or that that child that we have that we've seen you know that has a sparkle in their eye and a love for life is like no longer there we cling to that idealization and so what happens is is sometimes this can distort reality so it often involves we view someone or something through a distorted lens because we are blinded by love, so to speak, right? We're ignoring the flaws, the bad behavior or the negative aspects. And this distorted perception can actually prevent us from seeing the situation or seeing the person as they truly are right now in this present moment. So that is one of the unhealthy reasons that this might happen, right? And then the other thing is, we might move into unrealistic expectations, right? When we idealize someone, we may have unrealistic expectations of them. We believe so hard, wholeheartedly, in them that this can set us up for disappointment. It can set us up for when they disappointment when they inevitably fail, or when they fall short of something, or when they relapse. Right. So idealized standards can actually be unhealthy as well. And then the other thing in the context of addiction, idealization can lead to enabling. So you. Might might make excuses for their behaviors, their destructive behaviors, because we, we so believe in them and we believe in their abilities and their strengths. And we're, so we might excuse out their behaviors or make excuses for them, or we may support them more lovingly. Right. And we move in as, Uh, support and we help and we lose our boundaries. We might provide support without boundaries because we have this idealized version of them. We believe in them. And so we might tolerate uh, mistreatment. We might tolerate all kinds of things that we can trying to hope, hope we can bring back that person or that idealized image of that person by supporting them. We believe in who they are and who they're capable of, or we remember a relationship or remember who they are. And so by holding on to that idealized version of them, it can actually lead to enabling behaviors because, We're there to support them. We're there to help them. We excuse out their destructive behaviors, possibly. We provide support without any boundaries. Like we move in. I know I did. And we tolerate a lot of mistreatment and hope that that idealized image in that person will come back. Makes total sense. We're not shaming anyone. I did it too. I was there. And so, just the awareness. This is all. This is for is just to gain this awareness, uh, just so that. And you know me, I'm gonna leave you with a bunch of actionable nuggets here too. And just this self awareness piece is so important because then we can move into self compassion and self care. And so, first, we're just becoming more aware. Self awareness is so key in order for us to flourish and to, you know, be resilient. So another thing that idealization kind of holds us back, it freezes us and allows us to just sit in the shadows and the muck. And what it does is it inhibits our own personal growth and the growth of our relationship, right? So it discourages us to have potential conversations about challenges. It prevents us from facing the darkness that is going on around us. It prevents us from doing the necessary work or make the necessary changes to improve our situation. And so you can see how this concept, um, when we love love more than we love truth, can really affect us not to mention the emotional turmoil that it can bring right when we have a gap between our idealized image or hope for someone with reality when those two come together if the gap is so evident, oh my gosh, it leads to emotional t- turmoil right confusion, distress it's like what? You're doing this, with that's like, it's, it's, it's cognitive dissonance. It's like, it creates this uh, disruption of like, this is how things should be. And this is how they are. It's like, what? So it creates this emotional turmoil. So common when we love someone with an addiction. The other thing that it can do is if we have this idealization or we're loving love more than we're loving truth is it creates almost like a stuck feeling or like a stagnation, like we can't take action. So it can keep us stuck in a situation that may not be healthy, that may not be fulfilling. And I'm putting my hand up because I probably stayed so much longer. He was the one that actually ended up leaving, disappearing, text breaking up with me, not even saying bye to kids. And it's incredible because I I did have stagnation. I believe so much in him that it kept me there and it was a cycle of the love bombing and the letters and I'm going to be good for you and this and that and only to go down that downward spiral. So it kept me, I do believe that this idealization did keep me loving love more than I love truth, kept me in that situation that was not healthy and not fulfilling my needs at all. In fact, just dimming my sparkle and and destroying me. I felt so broken. So you might remain in unhealthy relationships. And we're not just talking spouses. We're talking children. You might be tolerating all kinds of things that you normally wouldn't tolerate, right? We're tolerating these negative circumstances because we're holding on to love. We're holding on to this idealized version of this person. And so this is so powerful, right? So in the context of loving someone with an addiction, idealization or loving love more than we love truth, it can be detrimental for us because it prevents us from recognizing the severity of the addiction. It prevents us from taking the necessary steps to protect our own well-being. Uh, So we need to prioritize truth over idealization or love And that is such a crucial step towards fostering more healthy relationships because you can set up more boundaries. It's great for fostering uh, your own looking after yourself, your own mental health uh, when we're faced with addiction or the challenging circumstances of loving someone with an addiction, right? So I wanted to jump into like why, like why? like why we have to love truth more than we love love, how this concept and this mantra, this new mantra or this new quote can help us. And there's so many reasons it's so powerful. So truth can be a powerful and transformative force. It is going to help us dealing with challenges, dealing with what we're dealing with when we love someone or have lost someone to addiction. The truth can help us for so many reasons. It basically being honest and truthful with yourself, it fosters self-awareness. It fosters just awareness of the situation when we look at the truth. So loving someone with an addiction can be so emotionally draining and it often leads to us ignoring or denying the truth to maintain. We want to maintain that relationship. So we ignore the truth or we deny the truth because we want to maintain the relationship. We want to keep this going. So this quote reminds us that embracing the truth is the first step the first effective step for supporting yourself and nurturing yourself and healing. It's the first step. So by fostering more awareness on what is actually going on, acknowledging the problem, acknowledging the problems can help us open the door so that we can seek help, so we can find solutions, so we can reach out for support, so we can, you know, it really is so important. It's the first step. It's so hard, such a hard step. But that is what, moving in how truth can help us. Cause it fosters awareness. It fosters an honest look at your situation. So then we can start moving into a place of, okay, what am I needing? Like, do I need self-care? Do I need community? Do I need courage to focus on me? Do you know? So there you go. So you want to really look at all those things. Do I need self-compassion? So another thing that truth will help is it starts to break the cycle. I remember thinking, like sitting down and like journaling and thinking, I cannot do this anymore. And just being honest, if I was a fly on the wall, I always say this, if I was a fly on the wall looking into how I was being talked to and the situation I was in and how sad I was this like fly would be saying like, Andrea, what are you doing? And I remember having that moment of truth and it started to break down the cycle. And I started getting more of an investigator. I needed proof of what's going on. And then, and then the proof of finding things is like, it's part of it was just being honest with myself of what's going on until I was actually told from one of his friends, what was going on. I just couldn't believe it. But anyway, so breaking the cycle. So this truth allows us to really notice when we're being misguided by love. It allows us to recognize that addiction is going on. Here's all the things that are going on. I'm seeing a cycle here. And by prioritizing the truth, we tend to break that cycle of being dependent or really enabling our partner or making our whole world being about them. It allows you to create that space, being honest with yourself so that you can create, like break that cycle and that you can confront their issues, which I did. Um, after I always, after I found out about the addiction, it basically, there was a promise that will never happen again, and that it's not a problem. It's not an addiction. I was told all the things. And then I think from the time I found out, it was only six months before he left, because my theory is, is because I got in the way of his addiction, because now I knew what was going on. And um, so focusing on the truth, as hard as it is, can help us really realize that we can confront our issues, we can look at things head on, uh, we can seek help, we can take good care of ourselves. And so it will start to break that cycle. Not to mention, it is all about self-preservation. So when you love someone with an addiction, it can take its toll emotionally and on our well-being. And so prioritizing truth what's true for you, allows you to set healthy boundaries for yourself, allows you to protect yourself. So by being honest and loving truth more than loving love, you're going to naturally have a self-preservation approach. And so it protects us from emotional turmoil and it preserves our mental health and our emotional health as well. Another thing that truth does is it acknowledges the reality of addiction. Addiction comes with so much shame. Sometimes we sweep it under the carpet. We don't want to admit what's going on, or we we say, like, you know, no, they don't have a problem. Or meanwhile, we're seeing evidence of a problem, right? I don't have an addiction, right? But it could also be substance use disorder. It all could also be like, you know, functional alcoholics where they can still get up and go to work. Like it, it there's so many variations. If there's a problem, there's a problem. We don't have to necessarily have proof or full. Definition, you know, in your gut, if there's a problem. So acknowledging the reality of addiction or a substance use disorder or Um, excessive behaviors and things like that impacting their lives. And knowing, knowing, embracing that truth of recognizing, accepting the realities of the problem, we'll call it a problem. And this acknowledgement is the first step, is the first step to address, addressing all those issues, everything that's going on rather than denying or downplaying it, right? If you're hurting, you're hurting, If you see behavior that you know is not acceptable or you know that there is a problem, your gut is probably right. If you have to Google what, like, Google anything like asking, I remember I was Googling, like, you know, what's it like when someone's addicted to cocaine? Like, what does it mean? You know, um, how can you tell if it's a problem or an addiction? And so I realized really fast it's like, okay there's a problem. If you're staying up all night, you're going away on weekends and binging, you're stealing money from me. Like you're up with your bloody nose running. You've got blood on your pillow almost every night that I have to clean. Like it's, you know, there's a problem. So just by loving truth more than we love love, we can acknowledge the realities of addiction and not move into that place of downplaying it or denying it. And so, so important. So once we do that, it's so important. The other thing is when you get honest with yourself, it's like, you know what? I can't, I can't do this. Like, I, I just can't do this anymore. It's like, so I need to like, I need like whatever it is, it helps you set these healthy boundaries as well. Truth allows you to establish clear and healthy lines that just cannot be crossed for you. When you are honest with yourself and you know what's going on, you're honest with what's going on, then you can establish ways and let's call them ways, because boundaries seem overwhelming, you can establish ways to protect your well-being, establish ways to prevent them from having their destructive impact on your life. And, you know, you're also going to figure out ways to look at mistreatment and and, and everything, right? So we want to make sure that we're preventing these things that can happen by knowing the truth. Okay, so... We also talk about when we are in truth, we can then move to a place where we can reach out for support, where we can talk to friends, where we can talk to community, where we can like facing the truth is so empowering uh, so that you can go get help. So you can take resilience courses. So you can join our SYKM community. So you can get resources to support you in many, many ways. And so That is so key. Seeking support is amazing. Support groups, therapists, you know, anyone that's going to help provide you with guidance and resources to help lift you up and build you back up. Truth will get you there. Um, The other thing that truth does is it encourages accountability, right? When we're being honest, when truth is at the forefront, your loved one is more likely to take accountability for their actions I'm just saying that, like, little caveat here, but not likely. I just like to say that addiction—they have a lot of blame. They blame you for everything. You're the reason for their addiction. It's very common for addicts to do that and to flip it and gaslight you to make you feel like you're the problem. So by being truthful, kind of allows you to take yourself out of the equation because you know what's going on. You're not a part of the addiction equation. And I think I did a whole podcast on that too. I really do. just going back to that one, like stepping out of the addiction equation. And this is such a crucial step towards your own recovery. So recovering you and the person, the amazing person that you are. And so it encourages you to take self-advocacy for yourself. So being honest and advocate for yourself. The other thing Truth does is equips us with information and clarity and allows us to make to make really good decisions, to make informed decisions, to make good decisions about the relationship and even our own life, right? It empowers you to choose a path that's aligned with your well-being. So this is so good. This is a benefit of loving truth more than we love love because it allows us to make informed decisions and empowers us to choose paths that feel aligned with our values, that feel aligned with our well-being. Okay. So prioritizing self-care by being honest, it's like, okay, yeah, if I'm being honest, this is hard. And so when we're honest, it allows us when we connect to this truth and it allows us to embrace truth, it means that we're going to prioritize Just by embracing truth and being honest, we're prioritizing our self-care. We're prioritizing self-compassion. And it's an act, by being honest, it's an act of self-love because you're recognizing what's going on here in your gut and you're recognizing your own needs. You're recognizing your own emotions amidst the challenging circumstance. So truth is so powerful. So it also is going to help reduce that emotional turmoil, right? Because we're going to not have as much as that discontent or discomfort or cognitive dissonance where it can help us to recognize in the long run, right? Truth in it can feel a little messy, but it ultimately reduces that turmoil in the long run because it replaces that inner turmoil of denial or idealization, but it helps us to move to a place of more clarity and more understanding as well as growth, healing, and self-compassion in the midst of all of this. So in essence, truth is the foundation upon which healthy relationships are made. It's effective for taking good care of ourselves. It it is the foundation for self-care, for self-love, for navigating the complexities of addiction, right? Is so, so important. It'll help us get more clear, allow us to have more compassion for ourselves and just a genuine connection to taking good care of yourself and acknowledging that. So you know me, I'm absolutely excited about actionable nuggets. So these are the things that we can put into practice almost right away, even while we're listening or we're here or watching and the quote, we have to love truth more than we love love by Judith Judith Davis. And I just loved it. And I'm so glad that we did an episode on this. So here are some ideas that I had. I pulled from the positive psychology world and I was kind of just brain dumping of like some action or like nuggets that we can do. And so one of the things that we can do is go on a radical honesty mission. And so reflect on areas where, you might have been avoiding or denying the truth maybe in your relationships with your loved one who has an addiction or maybe in other places, just go on this radical, just practice radical honesty. And almost like you're going on this mission. It's like, you know, make a commitment to embrace honesty. And even when it's uncomfortable or even painful, like it's just a wonderful way to like, just be honest with yourself and, and then, It's amazing because as you go on this radical, you know, honesty mission, you start to realize and hear your own voice and you start to see things for what they really are. And so instead of avoiding the topic of addiction or avoiding certain situations, initiate opportunities for being honest with yourself. Maybe you journal how you're honestly feeling. Maybe you have an honest conversation with a good friend. Maybe you reach out and you just like write in the support group, the SYCAM Facebook support group. If you're not there. Please come in. There's so many loving people there. And just write a post. Nobody's going to judge you there. We're just going to wrap you in love. And so radical honesty, like go on that mission, something we can do right away and, And journal. And it's okay. If my I swear to God, sometimes when I go on these radical, honest, like if I'm being honest, you know, like I have a journal, it's a red journal that I have I will not throw out because it reminds me of the SHIT that I went through. Um, just because sometimes I go back into that idealized version of him and I miss him and I get sad. But then I'm like, wait a second, let's go back into the book and let's be honest about, you know, the S-H-I-T he put you through. And that helps me because it allows me to be honest, allows me to not go into that world where I miss him. And do I wish it was different? A hundred percent. Do I know he was a good person before? A hundred percent. Do I wish drugs didn't happen? Yes, yes, yes. Because I know that it took away such an incredible human. Okay. So another thing that you can do is Regularly assess your boundaries. So set aside time to review your personal boundaries. Remember, boundaries aren't about anyone else. So it's not saying you can't do drugs in the house or, you know, it's not about that. It's literally your own personal boundaries. It is setting limits to safeguard your well being. So you want to do those for you. It's like for me, I know that I don't want to put any clients earlier than. 8 a.m., because I love having my mornings to myself. And then I also love going to Orange Theory. I love Orange Theory, working out and on certain times. And so I make sure that I block those times there. So, under no circumstances do I put any clients at that time. Those are boundaries that protect my well being. I know it's a side example, but that is what they're for. Boundaries are for you. So rather than creating boundaries that are like outside of yourself or trying to control other people's behaviors, think of boundaries that help you and safeguard your well-being and be honest. What do you really, really want for yourself? So allow your boundaries to be clear. It's like, okay, so if someone tries to book a meeting with me at this time it's like oh I can't do that time but I have this time available like I'm prepared like so nothing crosses that boundaries so when you feel disappointed that you didn't get something in or like say you didn't get your walk in you don't have for example you don't have boundaries around that so you know if you know you want to walk every morning at 8 a.m then you want to make sure that you make that happen. And then you recognize if you feel frustrated because something creeped into that time, you need boundaries there to protect and safeguard that 8 a.m. walk for you. So again, boundaries are for you and recognizing by getting honest is so important, the first step, because that'll help you if you regularly assess your boundaries and kind of write it out and get truthful about what you want for yourself. So cool, so cool, so cool, right? So another one relating to um, addiction might be if you're a set of boundaries to not provide financial support, you might want to review it every now and then to make sure and notice, are you sticking to that, you know, or are you are you not and right and and is does it contribute to your own well-being is it in alignment with your well-being so it's really all about you so another thing you can do right away is obviously seek out support or educate yourself actively seek out support groups i encourage you to come to the facebook private facebook group or join our Instagram feed. It's all called Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction. There's the podcast, there's the book, there's the new book that's out called Saving Me One Day at a Time finding light amidst the shadows of addiction. That's a daily reader to support you day in, day out. And it's such a good book. I love it. It's all about you building you up, building your resilience so you can feel really happy, feel really resilient, feel very strong, know your strength. The whole book is based on the science of human flourishing. So it's going to help you on so many levels on a day-to-day basis because every single day may not be good, but there's something good in every day. So another thing you can practice right away is self-compassion. Practice, practice, practice. This is a practice. So it's something you can implement right away, right? And so that could be, you know, you could uh, maybe do a mindfulness exercise. You might go for a walk. Maybe it's journaling for you. Um, maybe it's affirmations to reinforce your worth and your value as an individual. Just constantly reminding yourself yourself. That prioritizing your well being is an act of self love. It's so necessary and it's so effective. So you know whether that's you know each morning you spend a few more a few minutes in meditation, focusing on self compassion affirmations like "I deserve happiness and peace" or um, "I'm doing my best in this difficult situation." Like that is a form of self compassion that you can p- implement right away, right away, right away. So, yeah. So there's other things. I mean, embrace your growth journey. So celebrate your personal growth, self-discovery, you know, along this challenging path, look how much you've learned, look how much you've grown. Think about ways you can set mini micro goals and like slowly uh, moving towards the person that you want to be, how you want to show up and making sure that all these mini micro goals they're like micro baby steps to your well-being, to your growth, to your goals, to what it is that you want for yourself, right? So, you, for example, you could set a goal to read a book or take a course, you know, and and maybe it's going to help you with coping strategies or something and celebrate your progress along the way. So, looking for ways to grow and learn and explore for self-discovery. That's something you can do right away. So again, regular check-ins with your emotions. So important. Take time each day to literally check in. What am I feeling? What's my emotional state right now? Um, I always do a little, I put on like, I love uh, Latin music and uh, merengue. And so I put on a merengue and I danced to it just before I recorded this podcast so I can have that energy for you. And it helps me move emotion through and out my body And so having those micro moments of checking in regularly, so important. And it can really help you acknowledging any feelings that are coming up, such as guilt, frustration, sadness, and just give yourself permission to feel those without any judgment. And then you can either swamp, you can dance it out. You can like whatever it is, like be with your emotions, acknowledge it and have those um, uh, regular check-ins on a regular basis. So that's about it. Loving someone with an addiction is an emotional journey. Let's put it that way. (laughs) It is so challenging. It has so much heartache in it. But this quote, we have to love truth more than we love love, resonates so deeply in the context of highlighting how vital it is to prioritize your well-being when we're faced with addiction, right? Because we love our loved ones. However, that love, if we're ignoring truth, can be very damaging and dangerous. So her quote really does encourage us, you know, when we love someone with an addiction, it encourages us to prioritize the truth over this ideal love or this idealized version of that person in our life so it's so significant to do this we want to recognize the reality of addiction even even if the realities of addiction are super painful are suffocating anxiety producing we want to make sure that we are acknowledging the truth of addiction instead of sacrificing our well-being, instead of sacrificing what's important to us, what our needs are, what are what is what are our boundaries. We want to make sure we love truth more than we love love, right? And so, make sure that we don't have this misguided attempt to save the person we care about. This misguided attempt to you know, believe that they may not come back or this misguided attempt to tolerate abuse at times, right? It emphasizes the the importance, and I cannot say this more, of your self-preservation. Self-preservation, caring for yourself amidst the turmoil of addiction. So, I hope this was so helpful for you. Um, There is so much transformative power of truth in truth, and it can't be underestimated. And I really love this concept of prioritizing truth over denial or idealization or even acts of self-compassion, right? Like we are feel like we're, or not even self-compassion for others, right? We're going to get compassion fatigue if we keep going down that path of love, loving love more than we love truth. By embracing truth, we will support ourselves and in turn support our loved ones, but it's all about you and really help us for healing, for growth, for self-discovery, for self-awareness, self-compassion. And that truth, is going to be your compass, that truth is going to allow it to be a guide, even though it's sometimes really hard, it's really hard, it's going to be a guide towards clarity, it's going to be your guide towards resilience, it's going to be your guide towards a genuine connection to your needs, your well-being, your boundaries, and really, really help you in so many ways. So that's it, my friends. I hope you got a lot out of this. I know I love this concept and um, I hope that it helps you as well. And so if you haven't popped over to the website, I invite you to go there. It's all about reclaiming your life and your well-being, And it's there to support you through the shadows of addiction. We have loads of resources for you and it's all to help you feel empowered. It's helped to help you regain your happiness And just know that you're not alone in, you have this supportive community here for you. So sending hugs, everybody have an amazing week. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With an Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And, of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.